Welcome to the Limitless Mindset Podcast. This podcast will teach you to acquire superhuman mental abilities and hack your reality. In this episode, we discuss becoming a renaissance man or lady and a powerful memory hack for remembering essential details about the people you meet. If you stick around till the end of the episode, you will hear Jonathan's wacky philosophical technique for taking money from atheists at bars. And we finish this episode with the completely unrelated yet badass story about dogs rescuing a baby. Oh, how you kill me Jonathan. We recently heard from three of our listeners and this is what they had to say. Great advices shared in these podcasts and yes, they do work. Very easy to listen to. Still need improvement for audio. I recommend them to anyone interested in self-learning and improvement slash development. That's from Catherine in Ireland, super classy lady in the iTunes. We also heard from Luis in Spain. He said, only writing to tell you, I think the job you do with your webpage and trying to spread the word for better living is really worthwhile. I quite appreciate it. Thanks, Luis. And then we got a question from Chiro, and I'm not sure where Chiro is from. So Chiro, if you could uh, say what's up to me on social media and tell me where you're from, we would sure appreciate that. Chiro, Chiro had a great question. He said, I noticed that during conversations, I lack words to express myself. It usually affects my confidence. I always lack words to start conversation and keep it going. And I noticed that I'm not witty enough to crack jokes. All these have made me to have few friends and I usually refrain from public speeches and social gathering. Please, I sincerely need your help. Well, Chiro, I don't know a whole lot about what type of situations you're having these challenges in. Um, If I did, I could give you some real specific advice. Since I don't know exactly where you're running into these problems. I haven't actually seen you in person or heard an exchange that you're in, but this is what I'm gonna tell you. The underlying most important thing to being a good conversationalist is the level of confidence that you have. And if the confidence isn't really there, the cleverness that you're talking about, the articulation that you're talking about is really kind of a a fruit, a result, of the confidence. Now, what you're describing, your feelings, I've been there. I I totally understand that. When I was younger, I was definitely not the greatest conversationalist or the greatest person in social situations or public speaking situations. But there is a couple of confidence hacks that I learned that helped me to kind of fake it till I made it. And here's what I'd recommend. 
First of all, when you're in situations where you're going to be in conversation with people and you're going to be in a social setting, dress really, really well. And here's why. When you dress up, when you're the best dressed person in the room, so to speak, your confidence is naturally just going to be a whole lot higher. And you're going to stand out to people a little bit more also. So they're going to expect a little bit more confidence out of you because the way you look. I know in the past when I think about like when I was years ago when I was in high school, I was just not that confident of a person, but I started making it a point that whenever the new classes were coming into session, I would dress really nice the first day of school and people would treat me like a way more confident person and I would end up acting like a more confident person. Next thing that I'm gonna to recommend to increase confidence is to make sure that you're practicing very confident body language. So make sure that your hands are not in your pockets while you're talking to people. Take up a little bit more space in whatever room that you're in. So if you're standing by a wall, make sure that your arms are kind of out and resting on things. If you come up and approach a group, make sure that you touch the people real lightly on the back as you come up, you know, give them a little bit of uh, some more body, social body language, a little bit more of a embrace going on with your body language. And also make sure that you use people's names more frequently in conversation. And these are things that are going to make you come across and actually be more confident, make you be a better conversationalist. Also, I've got a line that you can use that's going to open up your conversations so that your conversations have a little bit momentum, which is something that it sounds like you're having problems with. Here's the line to use. Ask people, what do you do when you're not blank? Okay. Again, it's what do you do when you're not blank? And in this case, the blank is going to be something relevant to the context of the situation. So let's say hypothetically I'm at a barbecue and I'm talking to the person who's doing the barbecuing and I'm chatting with them and I'd be like, so Phil, what do you do when you're not barbecuing these delicious steaks? You know, put a little bit of a compliment in there. And what that does is it gives the option to open up the conversation for them to talk about something that they're, that's interesting, that they're into. They might tell you about their career. It's not necessarily something that, you know, is asking them to tell you, about, talk about their career. They might tell you about their hobbies. They might tell you about their kids, whatever. So I would recommend using that line. Again, the blank in that line is something relevant to the context. So let's say that you're at the gym and you're talking to someone. You might say, so what do you do when you're not breaking a sweat lifting weights and then they'll tell you then that'll open up the conversation so that try that line with people so thanks again for the messages from Catherine Luis and Chiro if you haven't already please head over to our iTunes page and leave us a review letting us know what you think of these shows. We've had a number of other people leave us reviews and feedback and it's really given us a lot of good information about what you guys are most interested in. So we really appreciate that. So let's get into the featured segment of this episode. Being a mysterious Renaissance man or being a Renaissance lady. Now, a Renaissance character has a pretty simple definition. It's somebody that has a lot of varied interests and hobbies and activities and things going on. So I think the concept of a Renaissance man goes back to Leonardo da Vinci. And so he was the quintessential Renaissance man. You know, he would one day be painting the Sistine Chapel, then he'd be designing machines that could fly in the air in the, the 1400s when he lived, and then he'd be stealing bodies out of the Vatican archives so that he could go and dissect those bodies and do experiments on them. He was a guy that had a lot of things going on. And he, I believe, was the original Renaissance 
character. And here's why being a Renaissance character is important. As far as I can tell so far, the kinds of people that listen to this podcast are very motivated, focused, ambitious, smart people. And there is a trap that motivated, focused, ambitious, smart people fall into. And this trap is that we devote our time and resources intensely and exclusively to a single, maybe two, consuming passions. We focus everything into one or two things because we have so much vision and we have so much creativity about what these things can become. And it might just be a single thing. It might be, it might be your career. You might be a student. It might be what you're, what you're studying. It could be, if you're an entrepreneur, it could be a business that you're building. If you're a writer, it could be a book that you're writing. If you're a filmmaker, it could be this movie that you're trying to make. If you're a if you're a stay-at-home mom, I'm sure we got some stay-at-home moms that listen to this. It could be your family. And we take all that we have and we focus it into this one or two things that we want to make really big and really beautiful that we think can make a really huge impact on the world. And this is a beautiful thought, but it doesn't really pan out in real life. So essential to our development into limitless individuals, we need to develop very diverse portfolios of interests and activities. So those who want to really become limitless should have multiple hobbies and interests other than their their family and their career or their business, whatever their source of income is, whatever their whatever their work is. So that that way we're not putting all of our interests into a single, that way we're not putting all our eggs into a single basket. Let's say that I go and devote all my time to understanding how a particular industry works. And I'm just the master authority of that industry, that I, of this particular little niche of the way that a certain type of engine is manufactured in a certain type of Europe that's used in a certain type of race car that they race. And I can become the huge expert about that. But what if, what if, what if that type of racing becomes unpopular and people decide not to watch that kind of racing anymore? My skill set has just become completely useless and I basically have to start over. But not if I'm a Renaissance character. If I'm a Renaissance character, I'm going to have a lot of different things going on in my personal life and in my career life. So if one of the things, if something changes in the world that's outside of my control, that makes one of my skill sets or one of my interests or something that I've built not so valuable, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to get by. So personally... As a Renaissance character, I like to consider myself something of a Renaissance character. My interests are travel, surfing, break dancing, a little bit of salsa, swing dancing as well in there. I'm a beer snob. I'm also kind of a, a little bit of a fashionista, would consider myself. I'm pretty big into fashion. Social dynamics is something that's really interesting to me. I'm a huge, huge science fiction geek. I'll admit, I have watched every single episode of every single series of Star Trek and every single Star Trek movie that has ever came out. So I'm a legitimate science fiction geek. I'm also a big Roman history buff, and then I also really enjoy Spanish language. So those are the Renaissance aspects of my character outside of the businesses that I'm involved with, outside of the stuff that I like to do in the gym, and outside of restaurants, nightclubs, different places that I go for my social life. So... Uh, How do you become a Renaissance character if you're not one already? Well, I would recommend something real simple. Start watching documentary films. Pick a subject. I would encourage you actually to pick a subject that's a little bit 
odd that people that people don't know a whole lot about and watch a bunch of documentary films on that subject and make yourself a little mini expert on that subject. So that's going to add a whole lot to your Renaissance character. I would also recommend getting out of the house. If the only reason that you're leaving the house is to go to work or go to the gym or go drink, (laughs) then you need to figure out new things to do when you're getting out of the house. Uh, Go onto the website meetup.com, go and look at the different kind of events and little things that are going on in your area related to little niches that might catch your attention and go check out those things. And that'll help your development into a Renaissance character. Now, being a Renaissance character offers us a huge benefit because like I said, There's people, uh, the kind of people that listen to this, the motivated, focused, ambitious, smart people that listen to this, we have a little bit of a character flaw that I've noticed. Because I know in the real world and people that I've met through this podcast, I've I've noticed a character flaw in, in these kind of people. And the character flaw is that we get really focused on this consuming passion of ours, and we put a ton into it. Maybe it's for months and months or for years and years, but then we get distracted and we start on a new project. And we don't really finish our original project through to fruition and through to completion. And the reason why is pretty simple. It takes, it almost always takes more time and more resources than you estimate to take a project from the very beginning to completion. Even if it's a really awesome, interesting, creative, fun project, it almost always takes you more time than you initially estimate. And somewhere in between, I would say being finished with starting it, finished with getting things rolling with it, and fruition of the project, you get a little bit bored with it and you want to try something else. Um, You want to get move on. It becomes a little bit too monotonous for you to have the discipline necessary to focus on this. And being a Renaissance character is going to counter this character flaw that we have. And I will be the very first one to admit that I have this character flaw. My GoDaddy account, where I register website domain names for my various projects, is a bowl of heart of broken dreams. And here's why, is when I look at my GoDaddy account, I see all these different creative projects that I've started over the years that I've registered domain names. And I always register my domain names for at least three years. Sometimes I register them for like five or six years. So they stick with me. They're not easily forgotten. I see all these different projects that I started over the years that the websites never quite got ranked for their key phrase or we never got the right partners in place. And it's it's a little bit of a reminder of my own, uh, my own distractibility. But the way to counter that is being a renaissance character who has a lot of things going on. And that way, you're going to be able to put that focused 40 or 50 hours in a week on those projects that are going to be your long-term earners, that are going to really be worth it in the long term. Because you're going to have fun distractions. You know, three, four nights out of the week, you're going to be doing something that's different than that all-consuming passion that's, that's sucking everything out of you, like a black hole. So you're going to be giving yourself fresh experiences all the time and you're not going to be in this pattern of being really committed to a project and get about halfway through the project and then you quit it before it makes you any real money or gives you any real recognizable benefit. So start thinking right away about how you can be more of a renaissance character. No one man should have all that power. No one may should have In the 2011 movie Limitless, the main character takes a clear pill which endows superhuman mental abilities which allow for him to become a 
master communicator, creative genius, and a wealthy, powerful businessman virtually overnight. While the movie and the drug in it are fictional, there certainly are real-life supplements that can significantly enhance your brain power, memory, and cognitive abilities. If you are committed to reaching your greatest potential, you are definitely going to want to check out the marketplace of brain power products and supplements on LimitlessMindset.com. This marketplace is built with ratings and review software that allows you to see what brain power supplements and products are creating the most powerful results for other members of the Limitless Mindset community. Go to LimitlessMindset.com backslash marketplace today to find the neurotropic supplement or brain power product that is right for you. I want to give you a couple of tips. This is how to not be a Renaissance character. And I have an example from the website MySpace. A lot of you probably remember MySpace. It was this social networking website that was super popular. And the way that it was different from Facebook was that you could get this profile and you could get this profile like all like pimped out with your own photos and flashing backgrounds and songs and graphics like it was just a a big party of celebrating your own individuality basically and so I remember I got this MySpace friend request this one time from this guy and his MySpace name was shall we dance and his picture was a picture of him doing like this salsa dancing move with a fancy looking salsa shirt on and then when you went to his profile it was like more pictures of him doing salsa moves with these funky looking shirts on and then in his profile text he was describing like all these different types of salsa dancing that he did and how he was the shiznit at it and then he had like all the different venues on his profile listed of all the different places that he did salsa dancing and on MySpace his status was single of course. So I was just looking at this guy's profile and I was just thinking if I'm a chick and this guy sends me a friend request I already know exactly where this is going. Any woman that this guy flirts with he is going to invite out to go salsa dancing with him. Not a question about it. That's exactly what he's going to do. There's no mis... You know, dancing is a cool aspect of a Renaissance character. It's it's part of my Renaissance character. So I guess this is a slightly hypocritical rant I'm on right now. But you don't want to have the aspects of your Renaissance character be just painfully obvious by the way that you conduct yourself in person and the way you conduct yourself online. You gotta leave something, you gotta leave something to the imagination. You gotta let people find out a little bit about you. There's there's a huge amount of pleasure in a human interaction in discovering something new about a new person that you're in a relationship with. So give people that pleasure. Don't tell them everything about yourself. Another example of this, I used to have a friend that drove this brand new Maserati and it was just the most sexy car that you could possibly imagine. But every single time we were out at a social interaction, he could not get five minutes into a conversation with a new friend without talking about his Maserati. And right away, he was just the guy. He was the guy that talked about his Maserati. That was his thing. And I saw some people that, there were many people, I would say somewhere between 40 to 60% of the people that he would talk to just got completely turned off by that, by the fact that he brought up this 
uh, what is what do people call it? social proofing? Um, I, I forget. There's there's a phrase from the world of social dynamics that's used to describe this. But it's basically where you've got something cool about yourself and you always bring it up right away in the conversation, and it's just a major turn off to people. Remember, the lion doesn't have to roar, and that's actually a Zulu proverb, which I thought was kind of cool. You know, the lion, it's the lion's a badass. Everyone knows that from the way the lion looks, from the way that the lion walks. The lion doesn't have to roar. I've got another example of this that's that I find really humorous. I use the website LinkedIn for my professional business networking. So if any of you want to do professional business networking with me, hit me up on LinkedIn. I'd love to say hi to you there. And on LinkedIn, I see all these people that list their title as visionary entrepreneur. And that just always makes me laugh because aren't entrepreneurs always supposed to be visionary? Like, doesn't that just kind of come with the territory of being an entrepreneur? Like, if you weren't visionary, then you'd be, I don't know, unemployed or you'd be in a cubicle somewhere. You'd be cleaning bathrooms as a janitor somewhere. I've always just found that humorous that people feel the need to say that they are a visionary entrepreneur. That's like a personal trainer saying that they are a personal trainer with great abs. So don't be the shall we dance guy from MySpace. Leave some, don't tell people everything about yourself. Think about the Dos Equis guy, the most interesting man in the world. That guy doesn't tell people about everything that he does. He just gives those very short answers that leave a little bit of mystery. Now you might be wondering, you're like, okay, Jonathan, so I'm going to do all this work to become a Renaissance character. And I know a lot of you already are Renaissance characters, but you're saying, okay, Jonathan, so, you know, I'm obviously going to invest a lot of time and energy and resources and whatever to being a Renaissance character. But I, I mean, I want to get benefit from being a Renaissance character in social situations, but I don't want to be the shall we dance guy. So how exactly does this work? Well, this is what this is how it works. Is you need to find the wingmen and the wing women that are going to sing your praises. You want friends that when you hang out with them, you can go up to a group of new people and be chatting. You know, you've got, let's say you've got four or five new people that you're making introductions to, and you've got your wingman, your wing lady, your person that you've been friends with for a while. You want to be able to leave that group to go to the bathroom or whatever. And you want to know that your friend is going to be telling these new people all the great things about you that you're not going to be telling them. In fact, I would say that that's expected of your friends. That's something I expect from my friends. And to be honest with you, people that don't do that for me, those people are acquaintances and I'm going to be friendly with them and I might hang out with them from time to time. But they're not good. I don't consider those people to be real friends. Your real friends are your people that are going to tell other people the greatest things about you when you're not there. So I would challenge everyone listening to this to be that. If you want those kind of friends, be that kind of friend. So I'd like to give a couple of examples now of modern Renaissance characters that I think we can learn from. So the first example is Joe Rogan. A lot of you have probably heard of Joe Rogan. The first time many of us ever saw Joe Rogan was on the sitcom show News Radio. Joe Rogan was a act was a television actor in the 90s. And then he went on to become the pioneer to become a pioneer of reality television as the host of Fear Factor. So that's one of his gigs that he does. Joe Rogan is also a comedian. He is one of the funniest guys on the planet, seriously. His comedy shows sell out massive, massive venues nationwide, and he's produced several DVD comedies and specials. UFC commentator and martial artist. Joe Rogan has been a committed martial artist since his teens, and in his early 20s, he made the transition from being a high-level Taekwondo competitor 
to a commentator in the newly formed UFC. And today he's an expert practitioner of jiu-jitsu and the primary commentator of one of the most popular and fast and growing sports on the planet. Nutritional Supplement Joe Entrepreneur. Joe is also involved with Onnit Labs, which is a company that produces nutritional products for mental enhancement and increasing sports performance. Conspiracy theorist and legalization advocate. So Joe Rogan has hosted or been an expert interviewed in many documentary films on subjects ranging from UFO theories, 9-11 conspiracies, secret societies, paranormal phenomenon, to marijuana legalization and psychedelic drugs. And then also, as most of you, as a lot of you probably know, Joe Rogan is also a podcaster. He hosts one of the most popular podcast shows on the internet. And on the show, Joe will regularly transition robustly from waxing informed philosophical musings about society uh, to a style of comedy that is both intelligently and hilariously immature. Uh, And then 10 minutes later, he'll be discussing the technicalities of a recent UFC bout. Another Renaissance character that I'd recommend you look up is a guy named Jordan Harbinger. And Jordan Harbinger is one of the leading pickup artists in the world. So that means those guys that are like really good at like picking up and like getting women to fall in love with them that like have it down to a science. So you hear that and you're like, well, you know, pickup artist, that sounds kind of sleazy. What did this Jordan guy do before he was one of the top pickup artists in the world? Well, before he was one of the top pickup artists in the world and operated a a brick and mortar school on Hollywood Boulevard, he was actually a high level attorney in Wall Street for one of the biggest financial firms in Wall Street. So you're like, well, that's that's kind of interesting. He obviously has a very diverse career skill set. Also, Jordan Harbinger speaks English, Spanish, German, and Serbian. So he's educated himself how to speak all these different languages. And then Jordan Harbinger is also a really, really well-traveled guy. So according to his profile, these are the places that he's lived. England, German, Germany, Israel, Mexico, Panama, Serbia, Ukraine, and United States. Those are the places that he's lived. These are the places that he has been to. Albania, Austria, Barbados, Bosnia, Bulgaria, Cambodia, Canada, Cayman Islands, Costa Rica, Croatia, Czech Republic, Egypt, England, France, Hungary, Italy, Japan, Macedonia, Monaco, Netherlands, Netherlands, Antilles, North Korea, Palestine, Puerto Rico, Romania, St. Lucia, Slovenia, Switzerland, Thailand, the Bahamas, U.S. Virgin Islands, the Vatican, and Vietnam. Now that's That's what I call a renaissance character. So travel is a really excellent, debatably one of the very best aspects of pulling together a renaissance character. And I'd like to give a final example. A friend of mine, his name is Cyrus. And Cyrus is a attorney. In fact, he's probably the most high-level attorney that I've ever met. He does these really sophisticated deals with, like, securities where, like, there's, like, one public company that's, like, buying another public company for, like, $40 million. Cyrus is, like, the attorney that makes those kind of deals happen. And I actually first met Cyrus several years ago when I was doing marketing firm services for nightclubs in Denver. And I was throwing this really fun party at a nightclub and the owner of the club was like, hey, one of the other owners of the club, Cyrus, has got this really sweet Ferrari and it would add to the ambiance of your party if Cyrus's Ferrari was parked 
outside of this event. And I was like, oh, wow, yeah, that's a great idea. So I emailed him, and he was like a super friendly guy. And he was like, yeah, Jonathan, I'd love to do that. And so uh, night of the event, he pulled up this gorgeous drop-top red Ferrari out front of the party and hung out really personable guy. And so I, as I got to know him, I discovered that he's also a philanthropist. He has his own uh, nonprofit organization that he does some really cool nonprofit work for. He's involved with a bunch of different car clubs where they go on these different trips across the country. And then, get this, about two years ago, I'm going to say, I noticed on Cyrus's social media profile that he was also becoming a volunteer firefighter. So on top of being this super high-level attorney and owning nightclubs and going and racing around the country in his Ferrari, he's going to be a volunteer firefighter on the side as well. So three excellent examples of Renaissance character. Next, I want to talk about how to... Remember details about people. Now, we've said a couple times before on this show that one of our objectives is to teach you skills that lie at the intersection of being skills that are pretty rare in society and that a very small percentage of society has them, but they're very valuable, but at the same time, they're relatively easy to learn. And we've got a memory systematization technique for remembering details about people. And remembering details about people is absolutely a very, very valuable skill in multiple dimensions. It's a way of essentially making relationships deeper. Like, you can walk up to a new person, whether you're in a business environment, social environment, wherever, and have a conversation with them. You can tell them a joke. You can tell them a pickup line. You can do whatever, and you can make them like you. And next time you see them, you can do the same thing, and they'll, they'll like you some more. You know, they might remember you. But if you really want your relationships to get deep with people and become really beneficial, really be the kind of relationships that you can both extract a lot of value out of, whether it's any type of relationship, really, you have to remember details about that people. That per- You have to remember details about that person's life. And everyone likes this. Think about a time that there was a person that you didn't know very well and you ran into them they were just kind of a passing acquaintance and they asked you hey what's going on with your mom or what's going on with that project you were working on or what's going on with some little thing that you didn't tell very many people about but this person who you didn't even know very well remembered to ask you about it it felt pretty special didn't it So that's what we're going to learn how to do. And this is an evergreen skill. This is something that is always going to be very, very relevant. And it's not going to get replaced by technology anytime soon. There are times where you can use your cell phone or you can use your computer program to write down information about people and put ticklers in your calendar or whatever so you know to call them on their birthday or whatnot. But the vast majority of the time that you're in social interaction situations, it's really not convenient or appropriate to be writing down little notes about things like that. And a funny historical fact, back in Roman times, this actually used to be a profession. There were these people called nomenclators. And a nomenclator was a usually a slave, but sometimes it was like a paid servant or an employee of a rich Roman guy. And when the rich Roman guy had like a big party going on at someone's villa or at the baths or whatever, you know, he'd go there, eat a bunch of food, get drunk, you know, do the same thing basically people do at parties now. Get drunk, go and make friends with a lot of new people. The nomenclator would follow him around and would remember details about the people that this rich Roman guy was meeting while he was drunk so that in the morning when he woke up with his hangover, he could be like, okay, oh, my head hurts. Who did we meet last night? It was just a blur. And the nomenclator would be like, 
Well, we met a slave trader from Thracia that has a, you know, real fresh stock of new slaves. <laughs> terrible, terrible example, but that's the way the world worked back then, okay? You know, coming in from, we got a new fresh stock of slaves, and you'd be like, oh, wow, that sounds like that should be valuable. Can I send you over to his office to go and discuss this with him? And the nomenclator would go and do that because the, the Roman guy was drunk. And, you know, when you're drunk and at a party, everyone that you meet seems like they're an awesome, useful, valuable new contact to you. So this is how it works. We're going to have to use our memory system tools of visualization and transformation to recall a myriad of details about people. So... This is technically the process that we go through. Step one, you're gonna meet a new person and they're going to tell you their name. Then you're going to create a visual association of something that sounds like their name. This is something that we cover really in depth and give you a bunch of practice doing in the AV association technique, which is on our website, so if you haven't gone through that yet, I highly recommend you do it. It only takes about 40 minutes and it teaches you a really valuable skill set of remembering people's names. So that's step one. So step two is that over the course of the conversation, they're going to drop some detail about something they have going on. And this is going to be a detail that you want to memorize. And what I would do, as opposed to trying to pick out which is the most important detail of the conversation that you want to memorize, I would just memorize the, but the first thing that they tell you about themselves that's worthwhile. Make sure that you're using this system on. Now when they drop that detail, pick out one or two keywords from that detail. Now what you want to do is you want to take that substitute visualization that you created out of what their name sounds like and you want to create a visual association of a transformation between the name visualization and the one or two keywords from the detail. So now when you see them, you hear their name and you think of the detail. And what's going to happen is over the course of the conversation, they're going to drop multiple details about themselves. So what you're going to do is each time they drop a, a detail about themselves, you're just going to create an absurd visualization of the details in a link together. So here is how this would work. Okay, so let's say that I meet a Tammy. And to me, I hear the word Tammy, and I think T-hammy. So I'm visualizing like a ham, but it's a ham that looks like a T, and it's standing up. And let's say that I meet Tammy in a yoga class. And I personally, when I meet people, I like to make the first detail that I visually memorize be the environment that I meet them in. So let's say I meet her in a yoga class. So I need to create a visual link between those two things. So what I'm going to imagine is I'm going to imagine a yoga class and it's all sweaty. People have been going through their positions for like 30 or 40 minutes now and it's just it's just a lot of sweat in the room and some of the guys got their shirts off and the mats are all soaked with sweat, okay? And I'm going to go in there with a big piece of ham and I'm going to start like slapping people with my piece of ham and it's going to make a really it's going to make a, a really juicy slapping sound because they're so sweaty already and I got this big piece of ham. So it's kind of an absurd situation. I'm sure I'd get slapped and kicked out of that yoga class permanently if I ever did something so absurd. But this is just the visualization that I'm creating here for you. So that's how I'm linking where I met Tammy at. So the second thing is that I start talking with Tammy and she mentions that she's a law student and that she's about to try to pass the bar exam. So the bar exam, the one keyword that I can pull out of that that I can visualize is bar. 
So I imagine a bar. So I want to take a visualization of a bar, make it really, really absurd, and then apply it back to my visualization of her name. So what I imagine is I imagine the T-shaped piece of ham, and it has a bar like... Do you remember that scene in The Matrix 2? If you've never seen it, it's a really badass movie. I completely recommend it. In The Matrix 2, there's this scene where there's all these agents coming to get Neo in this park. And he has this great big huge bar that he pulls out of the ground. And then he just starts like beating up like hundreds of agents with this bar. So I'm going to imagine that scene, but instead of Neo... It's T-hammy. It's the T-shaped ham that's beating up these agents with a bar. So this is a pretty absurd scenario now. But it's absurd enough that it creates this mental link that Tammy is taking the bar exam. Okay, next example that I want to remember is that Tammy mentions that she's thinking about buying an SUV because she has a car that slides around on icy streets and it's kind of annoying because we let's say we live in a place like Denver and the streets are icy certain time out of the year so she's sliding around so what I'm gonna imagine now is I'm gonna imagine the t-shaped ham fighting off all the different agents with its bar but what happens is that if we zoom out from that scene a little bit we see that the t-shaped ham is actually fighting on the hood of a car and this car is driving and it's sliding around on ice, but this isn't just any ice. It's actually on the South Pole. And it's like the part of the ice shelf of the South Pole that melts. And as it's melting, like her car is like swerving around the water and her car is almost falling in the, into the water, which obviously her car would sink in this icy cold frigid water and it, it won't be a very good situation. So, I have now created a string of visual, uh, completely absurd visual associations that are going to make me remember that I met Tammy in yoga class and that she is going to be taking the bar exam and that she's thinking about getting a new car because her old car doesn't do well on the ice. So, that's the mental systematization technique that we're going to use to remember details about people. Now, someone listening to this that's never used memory systems before is going to say, that sounds, first of all, hopefully hilarious, but also it sounds like a lot of work to come up with all those really silly visualizations that don't actually do much good in the real world. The reason why we jump through all those mental gymnastics is that it forces our brain to build those synapses between those different details that we want to associate back to this particular human being. And that's the way that, that trained memory systems work. Now, what I'm going to do, because this is such a valuable skill, and I really do want the listeners of the podcast to get good at it, I'm going to create a little video course, probably going to take about 20, maybe 30 minutes to go through, that's going to give you a lot of practice doing this with like little characters on screen that details come out about so that you can go through like 10 or 15 different characters and remember a string of details about them in practice so that way when you get out there in the real world and you're doing this you'll have like a level of competence and you won't be getting flustered in social situations. So that's how that's the memory system that we're going to use to remember names. What I also recommend is use the digital tools that are out there as well. Totally. I completely recommend that. Nowadays, most people have cell phones that are smartphones that you can install applications like Android on or you can get Evernote installed on them or you can use the iPhone contact management and it takes just a couple of moments to pull your phone out of your pocket and enter a couple of details about people that you met. Me personally, I prefer Evernote. It's free, it's available on Android and iPhone, and it does a really good job of synchronizing across the different platforms, and it actually lets me take notes as voice notes. So let's say I meet a new person, and then I'm like, hey, great to meet you, 
I'm gonna follow up with that thing that we talked about. What I'll do is I'll walk into the bathroom, I'll pull out my Evernote, and then I'll take a voice note right then. I'll be like, I just met Joe, and we are gonna talk about going LARPing with such and such club next weekend, or whatever. And then I will have that saved and synchronized over to my computer. And then the next day when I go and look at my to-do list, I will have that in there. So I recommend, highly recommend using those visual tools also. So this episode, we're going to share a wacky philosophical money-making technique involving atheists and we'll finish with a badass yet totally unrelated story of the time that I saw dogs rescue a baby. But first, I'd like to mention a new division of Limitless Mindset called Corporate Cognitive Consulting. This is a division we're launching because companies and organizations could really benefit from the kind of applied neuroscience-driven approach we here at Limitless Mindset take towards personal productivity and development. So I'd like to put the offer out there that if you are an owner operator or a manager of a business that has at least 10 employees whose productivity is directly related to intellectually demanding tasks, this program will boost the productivity and profitability of your organization. Salespeople, managers, executives, engineers, programmers, attorneys, accountants, teachers, educators, trainers, designers, or creative professionals. These are all team members whose productivity and value to their company depends on the deepest level on their intellect, their cognitive ability, and their memory. So if you have at least 10 of these kinds of professionals in your company, this is something that could give your organization a real return on investment. So how exactly would this work? Well, there's two primary tools we're gonna utilize in this corporate cognitive consulting program. We're going to put at least 10 of your most valuable intellectual employees on a synergistic combination of the most credible nootropic brain supplements available. This is gonna improve drastically their focus and their productivity, along with boosting the three essential neurotransmitters, and it's also going to reduce the oxidative stress that these employees face. So you're gonna actually be able to demand more and get more out of your already highest performing employees. The second tool we're gonna to be using is the very best dual end back training software available for improving IQ and fluid intelligence. This is going to improve by at least 40% the problem solving ability of the 10 most valuable intellectual employees in your organization. It's also gonna make them much better at acquiring and implementing new skills, especially technical skill sets. Now, there is a large scientific body of evidence that these tools work for these purposes. In the past several decades, there have been over 50 studies done, many of them double-blind, placebo, control group studies. You can find these on our website underneath the resources section, demonstrating that nootropic brain supplements and cognitive training using software really do make people more productive, focused, energetic, and better at problem solving. If you look online, uh, as well as on the Limitless Mindset website, you'll find that there are many thousands of detailed testimonials and personal documentations of improved productivity, improved ability to stay focused, and people 
bottom line, meeting their goals as a result of enhancing their cognitive ability using things like nootropic supplements and dual end back training. Now, someone who's listening to this who is the owner, operator of a business may be thinking, well, this sounds kind of interesting, but it also sounds really expensive and risky if it doesn't work. Well, the risk involved is actually very minimal. And here's why. The hard costs of this corporate cognitive consulting program are the two tools we're going to be using that are proven to increase mind power, which is the nootropic supplements and the dual end back training. Because of this podcast show, I have personal relationships with the scientists and teams that have developed these tools, and I have the authorization to extend the zero-risk money-back guarantees of these products to my clients. Now, eventually, I'd like to get to the point where I'm charging like three to $400 hourly for my consulting time in setting up these programs and in teaching these different teams how to use these tools for the very best productivity and profitability gains. And I'm sure that I'll reach that point. But right now, I just want to get some companies started using these tools and I will include my consulting time in the money back guaranteed costs of the tools themselves. So if anyone listening to this again is a operator, owner, or manager of a business that has at least 10 employees whose productivity depends upon cognitive tasks, you have a lot to gain here in terms of productivity and profitability, in terms of the bottom line of your organization, and your risk is very, very minimal. So if this is something that interests you, contact me through the corporate consulting page on my website. In fact, if it interests you, contact me right away, ASAP. And here's why. I have a very finite amount of time and attention that I can devote to this corporate consulting program. I can't do this with dozens of different companies. I'm predicting that I'm going to end up working probably with about four to seven different companies within the next year doing this, depending upon the size of the companies and what's necessary. And I predict that those four to seven spots are going to fill up pretty quickly. And to be honest, after those spots fill up, the price on this is going to go up. Now, this this might sound like I'm just trying to artificially create a sense of urgency, but the fact of the matter is that in the past four years of operating my current business, which is my web development and marketing firm, I've worked with over 90 different companies, and I have a very, very extensive Rolodex of business contacts who this offer is going out to also. And as I said, it's a very high possible return on it because cognitive enhancement is something that consistently does make people more productive and more profitable. And the risk is very, very low. It's The risk is actually completely subsidized using these tools at the time being. It's definitely not always going to be like this. So this is a very compelling offer. It's going out to all my current clients. I don't predict it's going to be on the table for very long. So if this is something that interests you, if you think your company's qualified for this sort of thing, please do get in touch with me. And I'd be very interested in finding uh, more out more about what you do and how we can help you out. Yeah, cash money heroes, private jets, polish. To connect with the Limitless Mindset community, along with a chance to win free neurotropic brain supplements and other awesome prizes, please give our Facebook page a like at facebook.com backslash Limitless Mindset. If you found this podcast to be informative and entertaining, please give us a five-star review in iTunes or whatever podcast directory you are listening and write us a review letting us know what you think of the show. 
And remember that the best compliment we can ever hope to receive is you sharing the show with a friend. How to take money from people who say they are atheists. Okay, this money-making technique I made up all on my own. And it might work at a place like a library, bookstore, or coffee shop, or maybe like a college campus, but I think it would probably work the very best at a bar. And not like a party bar where people are like doing shots and drinking, like a bar where people are like sitting around and talking about stuff would be where this would work really good. So next time I meet an atheist at this kind of bar, I'm going to make them a wager of $20 that I can disprove that they are actually an atheist. That they are, they are in fact diluting themselves by calling themselves an atheist and that I can intellectually, philosophically, existentially disprove what they are saying. And that if I can do that, then they owe me a President Jackson $20. Sounds a little silly. I know, and I will, I'm sure meet people that will take me up on this offer. So this is what I'm going to do then. I'm going to pull out of my pocket $10 and put it on the table and say, okay, Mr. Atheist, I would like to pay you $10 for your soul. Now, if they're truly an atheist, then they cannot believe that they have a soul. I went and checked on the atheist.org website. I also checked on the Wikipedia page on atheism. And the belief that the human being has no immortal, spiritual, meta-component, otherwise known as a soul, is a real core part of atheism. You can't call yourself an honest atheist if you think that you have a soul. So from their perspective, this is essentially an opportunity for them to gain $30 for doing absolutely nothing. Because remember, there's a wager of $20 on the table, and then I'm also, there's a wager of $20, and then I'm also offering them my $10 in exchange for the soul that I believe that they have, that I would like to acquire, but they, hypothetically, if they're a good atheist, do not believe that they have. So if they refuse my offer on the grounds that they're not actually sure if they don't have a soul. They might have a soul if, you know, if you do have a, you, you don't even really want to take the chance. It's, it's you know, it's only, it's only 30 bucks is, is, is the total what they, you know, that's, that's what they stand to, they only stand to lose, no, I'm sorry, they only stand to lose 30 bucks. So it's not really worth betting your 30 bucks that you have no soul. Because let's say you died, you do have a soul and you sold it to some guy named Jonathan Rosen at a bar for 20 bucks. It's kind of a crappy way to spend the rest of eternity, right? But that would, in fact, prove that they're not an atheist and that they are a agnostic. Who owes me $20? So I'm going to try that out. I might get slapped, might get a drink in the face, but it'll make for an interesting philosophical experience. Okay, to wrap up this episode, I've got a story about the time I saw dogs rescue a baby. So this was a couple of months ago when I was learning to surf at Chamon, at Playa Chamon in beautiful Costa Rica. And the sun was setting and I'd been out for a couple hours already so I was pretty tired and I swam back in and and was just kind of standing on on the beach next to my surfboard watching the sunset, watching the tide come in. And I see this baby out of the corner of my eyes running towards the water and it's a little kid, maybe one or two years old, little tiny white baby, like super white, really, really white. Obviously not a baby that it was from Costa Rica, okay? And it's just dashing towards the water. And so it's 
pretty obvious from the situation that this baby does not know how to handle itself in the water. It just sees water and it wants to get out there. And there's me, there's other surfers out in the water, there's locals, Ticos swimming around out there. So the baby sees there's people out there, but this baby is just dashing towards the water. And the baby was probably like, I'm gonna say about a hundred meters away from me, if I'm thinking in meters, and I'm calling a memory in Costa Rica, so I am thinking in meters. And the parents of this baby are like 200 meters away from me, up, way up on the beach. And the dad of the baby is just kind of sauntering very slowly after the baby. And he actually has a beer in his hand. They look like tourists to me. I'm, I'm pretty... All, all factors are indicating that these were tourists, okay? And so the dad is just sauntering towards the baby. The baby is dashing towards the water. And there had been a Tico guy. A Tico is a native Costa Rican surfing around out there in the water with me and he had done the same thing I had done as the sun was setting he came back in and he was standing on the beach just watching the sunset and he had two dogs with him and as this baby was running out towards the water about to get in the water the Tico whistled at his dogs and immediately these two dogs just darted out and they cut off the baby from the water and there was like there was big waves that were that were breaking in not very shallow water so this baby could have gotten taken out by these would have at least been knocked down and hurt by these waves worst case scenario he could have gotten brought out with the tide and these two dogs just darted out and cut off this baby and it was just an awesome moment to see how dogs really are man's best friend that those dogs could see that this was not a good situation. This is not a good place for this baby to be. And they ran out there and, and saved it. And then like a minute later, the dad finally got to the baby and picked up the baby. So that's the badass story for this episode. I hope this episode was really informative, really educational for you. If you enjoyed this episode, we would really appreciate a five-star review and rating with your thoughts in iTunes about what we're talking about here. I realize iTunes is kind of clunky to use. It's not always the most intuitive program, especially to leave reviews for. So I really do appreciate our listeners taking the time to go and do that. Have a great week. Legal notices. If you or someone you know developed or created a concept, piece of content, or idea shared on this show, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com so we can mention them in the show notes or provide a backlink. We want to give credit where credit is due. As a listener to the Limitless Mindset Podcast, we hope you have and practice common sense. However, since some of the content covered in this show deals with subjects of a health, legal, or business nature, this show is for entertainment purposes. If you need recommendations of doctors, nutritionists, or attorneys to consult before making decisions that may have health or legal repercussions, please email us at info at